Dave, welcome to the 47th of March. Yes, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, it's how's how's the uh, how are you uh, coronavirusing? Uh, not at all, thankfully. Um, I'm doing pretty good. good. Right, right now, my my primary hobby is uh, collecting uh, masks on Etsy. Um, okay. I, 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 I literally think I have a mask coming every week, every day this week. <laughs> I just I've got okay, a steady, nice. steady stream coming in. It's, uh, it's making me feel better. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah my daughter's actually making masks at home. Nice. Um, she did. Yeah. She did like one of those orders to go from, you know, pickup order at Joanne fabrics and, uh, which is headquartered like 10 minutes from my house, world headquarters. Um, and so, she picked up all kind of fabric and, and is like making masks and I think she's going to like donate them around town and all that. So yeah, keeping her busy. Cool. That's great. That's great. Yep. Yeah. Um, I've been, uh, I've been filling the hours by, uh, so my front door, since I have, since I bought this house, my front door has uh, been sticky and, uh, requires mm. a, you know, requires a good shoulder to, uh, to get the thing locked. And, uh, Mm-hmm. We had a spate of rain recently, and that that made it considerably worse. The whole thing swelled up, and uh, in fact, I could not get in my front door at one point. And it's like, all right, well, now I got to fix this. So mm-hmm. uh, I identified the first part of the problem, which is I had to sand down the kind of the foot of the frame, and mm-hmm. then uh, yep. and then I and then I realized how it's still sticking, and then I started sanding. Uh, around the sticky parts in the frame on the side there. And then I realized that wasn't it. And then I had to open up the hinge and slip a shim in there. And then that fixed it. And then that created a whole new set of things that I had to sand or grind down. Anyway, um, if you've read the the children's storybook, uh, Give a Mouse a Cookie, um, that was basically my door hanging experience. <laughs> and, uh, I haven't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so anyway, it, took, it uh, probably took me elapsed time like four days but i finally have a door that closes um you still need to kind of push it in order to make the deadbolt work but that's fine that's close enough for now Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i would have just broken it and just said the heck with it and just found another door to go in yeah (laughs) Yeah. sorry soren we have to move (laughs) (laughs) right yeah 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 Yeah. doors not work what about you yeah so uh yeah, so like I know you said you signed up for the grocery delivery stuff and it changed your life, and then yeah. you you backtrack on it. Have have you reconsidered with uh, given current events? No, no, not at all. Um, uh, I've been keeping myself uh, and my and my family fed with uh, a combination of uh, what I do is I order delivery from H E B, which is our local grocer, and uh, and then as soon as it is delivered, I sit down and create the next order. Uh, so that I get a time ah. slot. Um, right now, the last time I did that, the lead time was about three weeks. Um, wow. Yeah. And uh, so, but in the meantime, what I've been doing is, so obviously I'm over buying groceries. And mm-hmm. the second thing I'm doing is uh, using a meal kit service. I think I've talked about Green Chef on the show before. So I mm-hmm. use I use Green Chef regularly. Um, and it's, uh, so every Friday I get a box of uh, three meals for two and uh, works out great. And... So I'll eat one for dinner and then it usually ends up, the second half ends up being my lunch the next day. And, uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of the, that kind of keeps the, uh, that keeps the menu interesting for the week. 
Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that's it's actually I'm surprised at how smoothly it's going, frankly. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So we signed up for uh, Instacart here, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, when I tried to do like the there's a the Acme uh, grocery store here. They would have um, like free pickup or or not. I don't even know. They charge you to pick it up or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's like the lead time, like you said, was like crazy. And the other thing that surprised me too is that you know they would always have these sales and everything, but the sales don't match the what's in their website and it was like the, the heck with this. And so I did Instacart and that seemed, uh, we just got our first delivery today and that, that seemed kind of neat where I started the order on Saturday and it arrived today. But even after I made the order, I could still add to it, Yep. which is kind of cool where you could, you know, cause it's like, ah, dang it. I forgot mustard. And so instead of like waiting for the next, order it's like well hey the person didn't show up yet so feel free to add to it right. which was great it was fantastic yeah and then um with sam's club it was kind of interesting where i i did a, a pickup order and it was um you know it's a kind of thing there is that you actually have to go in the door to pick it up and then they have like all these refrigerators and people will pull the stuff out of bins and hand you a cart and you could walk away mm-hmm. um that was an okay experience, but the there there is no like real lead time. You could either pick it up. Uh, there are pickup slots for today, tomorrow, and never. And so, <laughs> and once it's like filled up, it's like that's it. So yeah. it's like okay, that's not good. Um, so the the key was that like you got to get up like early in the morning to get tomorrow's you know to get a slot for tomorrow. So yeah. all right, I did that, yeah. and then I, I put in like all kind of meat, and it's like no, we it's like they like rejected it. Um, you know, so they canceled the thing for the meat, which is the whole reason why I was going up there and I had some ancillary things. So I still had to go in. Um, but the neat thing though, is with the Sam's club app, they have like a, like a barcode scanner inside the app. And Mm -hmm. so you could scan everything and pay and walk right out. It's it's pretty cool. You never have to go to a, yeah, no cash register that you got to touch or, or, you know, anything, you know, so that was kind of cool. But the big surprise for me was that I was surprised by how many people were working there that did not have like gloves or masks on. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's becoming a pet peeve of mine. Um, I'm going to recommend to all, uh, DG show listeners, the radio lab episode uh, called dispatches. I think it's part four. They have like 20 minutes on why you should be wearing a mask outside. And it completely converted me. Um, I am now wow. an enthusiastic, uh, mask wearer outdoors. Um, uh, you know, it walks you through the, you know, this idea of like droplets that leave your mouth and when they leave your mouth. And, uh, there are some that are heavier and some that are lighter. Um, uh, the thing that finally made it click for me was the, um, uh, they said to think about the, the smallest droplets that, that can bear viruses, um, uh, leave your mouth. Uh, imagine that being like cigarette smoke. It travels like cigarette smoke. And so, uh, okay. you know how like somebody smoking a cigarette, you know, down the block, you can still smell it. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, same thing for these, for these droplets. And, uh, that kind of, that kind of woke me up a little bit. And, uh, I think so I'm wearing a mask and the mask won't really protect you against those droplets, mm-hmm. but it will prevent you from sending out those droplets. And so, exactly. uh, so right. part of, part of it is, uh, part of it is me taking care of everyone else. And part of it is also, um, normalizing mask wearing, which, uh, you know, it's Texas, this, we're not inclined to wear masks unless we're robbing a bank. So, um, right. I feel like, <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, yeah. so I feel like I'm doing my part. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's what I mean. That's a whole episode in itself of um, you know the the trend towards facial recognition and things like that um, mm-hmm. as as a way to track people and masks, like the normalization of masks, uh, disrupting that. That's right. That's right. I saw recently. Actually, let's 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 promise here we're going to do the next episode. Will be on the topic of masks because I have a lot to say about that. About this. All right. All, All right. right. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. So uh, today we have. Um, I couldn't even think of a good theme here, but we're we are going to talk about the pros and cons of virus tracking, mm-hmm. and the pros and cons of health data tracking, and the pros and cons of robot cooks, and the pros and cons of word choice. Yeah, you know, when I think about the show, Dave, I think about relevance, staying mm-hmm. relevant, timeliness, 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 and timelessness. Yeah, especially when you're not traveling. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and timeless. Yeah, it's it's evergreen. <laughs> so, if folks yeah. want to, if folks so, want to, oh, you're gonna. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I tried. I tried. <laughs> let's let's see how long we can keep this streak going here uh, for for all the people that work for you. Um, so, yeah. So, Gunnar, if people want to, um, you know, learn about robot cooks and virus tracking and, and all that, um, where should we send them? There's only one location on the Internet that provides this and, and much mm-hmm. else. Evergreen mm-hmm. content. It's uh, it's on uh, dgshow.org. That's uh, D as in Dave. G as in Gunnar Show. org. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So... Yeah, cutting room floor. Uh, we got uh, a nice, you know, for did you ever have uh, a white noise generator that could do like the ocean sounds and stuff like that? Of course, of course. Yeah, got one in Soren's room. Or like yeah. rainfall. Yeah, right. So now there's a, a website that'll do office noise uh, generation. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, I need that. So you could have like a nice photocopier in the background and <laughs> talking and closing drawers. And... <laughs> that's right. Sorry. Although, although that's kind of office noise from like 15 years ago. I feel like office noise now would just be periodically hearing someone go, sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we got uh, uh, Amazon dating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The new offering from uh, from Amazon. Okay. Yeah, so the reviews are, are great. Uh, so it's, I guess it's a spoof. Maybe it is a spoof <laughs> dating site where, um, um, like, if you it has instead of products you buy, it's people you can date, mm-hmm. um, and then there are reviews of the people that <laughs> uh, that were dated. And it's what's hilarious is that it's like copied from like actual Amazon reviews. So uh, like reviews of one person is like. Um, Looks even better in person. My girlfriend was delighted. Um, <laughs> it won't blow anyone away at a get together in your living room, but it'll get the job done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, here, here's another one. With the onslaught of content coming from Google, Amazon, and the other big uh, companies competing, it's hard to choose. It can be renamed. I named mine Echo, and she's small enough to go unnoticed. And she's got a loud volume that you'll need to yell over to be heard. <laughs> yeah, kind of taking the mm-hmm. uh, taking the commoditization of people via dating apps to its logical end, and making it just part of Amazon Basics. That's right. Yep, exactly. That's great. And then, uh, so I don't know if we we have a new uh, uh, 
tagline to steal. We have to see if it's copyrighted. In worst case scenario, they're a potential sponsor. Uh, we found the uh, the best uh, company motto probably ever. So good. So good. Yeah. So, so the company yeah, is Allegheny uh, Shredder. Mm-hmm. They're yep. a shredding company, yep. industrial shredding company. And the motto is? Yep. The future is here and everything needs to be destroyed. <laughs> Which I feel like we should work out some kind of cross licensing deal. Like I like mm-hmm. I like I really want this to be the slogan for the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 We could be their official podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's right. Dave and Gunner Show brought to you by Allegheny Shredder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and we got some uh, viewer mail. Oh, excellent! All right. Yep. What's in the box? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it just came in today from uh, Andrew Fuhr uh, from uh, Toronto, Canada. And and believe it or not, he is the, the founder of Colors.LOL, who we talked about in the uh, previous episode. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's great. So, he, yeah, he said thanks for mentioning it on the podcast. He loves the show and hopes we're doing well. That's wonderful. That's great. Yep. That's great. Yep. Nice to know that, nice to know they're out there. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's listening. So, uh, yeah. And, and so have you seen this, like, I've seen some stuff flying around on the news of like, oh, we're going to put technology into fixing this, uh, coronavirus, uh, spread. Right. And, you know, there are people have come up with ideas and, um, I think, well, so far the most plausible one I've seen so far is the one that Google and Apple came up with. Do you know about that one? I did. At first I heard data. Oh, there's a plan to use uh, cell phones to track uh, uh, to track the, uh, the infections. And I got nervous. And then I heard that it was being done by the private sector. And I was immediately relieved. Um, although then I was wound up all over again when I found out that it was Apple and Google doing it. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. You, you know, I, I am definitely not a cryptographer. Um, not mm-hmm. a security expert, just an armchair security expert. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I looked at the scheme, and of course, in a system like this, there are going to be problems. But it was actually—I thought it was pretty. It seemed pretty clever. Yeah, yeah, I I thought so too. And um, there was a another similar model in the uh, in the in Europe. I think they were trying to. Uh, it sounded almost identical. I couldn't tell the difference between mm-hmm. the two. But yeah. but basically, the way it works is it uses Bluetooth low energy. And so what it does is if you have the app installed on your phone, it'll have the Bluetooth, you know, it's, it's like always like scanning to see what, you know, what can I connect to. And, um, and so if somebody else is running that app, it will basically grab the SSID of that other person's uh, phone mm-hmm. of their Bluetooth LE um, SS or not SSID, the Mac address. And um, that changes every 15 minutes, but you, but basically you can keep track of which ones are yours over time and, and everything. And let's say um, uh, that person gets sick, and what it'll do is it it will um, you know you'll get sick, and then uh, or that person gets sick, and then um, that person goes to the doctor and they say yes you are infected, and then um, what like with the European version. There's like, oh, the doctor will give you this code so you can't like spoof it and just freak everybody out. And so like this code, you plug it in and it uploads to the the Google or Apple mothership. And then periodically um, your phone would pull down 
the um, you know the uh, a list of every of all of the MAC addresses in your area of people that have been infected, mm -hmm. and if there's a match, it will tell you and then give you um, instructions on how to get um, how to get help. Right. So, good. The good news here of what I've heard is that okay, it's optional. It's not mandatory by the government or anybody. Um, it's not opt-in by default. So it's not like Apple and Google or whoever, like putting this on your phone and making it happen. And then they tell you, or they're reporting back to a government or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's not collecting what they say, personally identifiable information or location data. It's just collecting Mac addresses. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's also uh, collecting, uh, it's not collecting a list of people that you're in engaging with. And, um, the, the people who are tested positive are not identified to other users, Google or Apple. Right. And then, um, let's see, what else? Uh, it's only used for tracking with uh, public health authorities, and it doesn't matter if you have an iPhone or Apple. It works across both. Uh, and then they um, – but they, they say that, um, that, you know, there are privacy risks um, and they're – uh, well, besides some privacy risks, there could be some potential flaws. Um, in this particular article, um, there there was a quote from uh, Marley Moxon Spike or Moxie Marlin Spike, both of them. <laughs> um, they said uh, that uh, you know what was interesting is that he said that this you know he's like oh this is a terrible idea and you know he's on the far end of privacy and everything and and he was poking valid holes in it saying that you know just basically saying this shows you how broken Bluetooth low energy is in terms of a tracking thing, because that's how they do ad beacons. So when you walk into a store, they could track you. Right. Um, and then the other thing that he said was that, um, um, that it's, you know, just feasibly it's, it's not scalable from a, a, you know, the, the amount of data you have to upload and download. I, I don't know if that's true. I haven't run the math myself, but, mm -hmm. uh, but there's that, and then there's the Singapore government um, that, from what I've read, is there's GovTech, who's actually a Red Hat customer, um, and it's their like government innovation group in Singapore. They're doing a similar model, but the thing that I notice that's very uh, um, different from the Google and Apple model is that um, that the the authorities are in the middle of this. Right, and in that they they will be alerted if uh, uh, you know somebody's infected. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think that uh, you're right that the scheme. I mean, fundamentally, you're talking about it's a, if your if your goal is total privacy, none of these are going to work because kind of mm -hmm. built into it is a set of. Um, uh, built into it is the idea that you are in fact sharing information with someone who knows what's going on. Um, and, uh, so naturally it's going to be available for abuse. I mean, I think there are some, there are, are a certain set of safeguards in here, which do protect, you know, things like in the Apple and Google scheme, like they expire all the data after 14 days, you know, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's like a rolling window. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and so, well, you know, all that's good. Uh, the fact that, you know, you, you trigger, you trigger the activity with your consent. Like if you get infected, you have a choice of hitting the button or not and, and telling mm -hmm. everybody. Um, and so it kind of does make doing the right thing easier. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, and it does avoid doing things like collecting location information and so on and so forth. So, well, you know, well, that's good. Um, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how long law enforcement can keep itself from this database. Um, Cause mm-hmm. even with the stuff, you know, expiring after 14 days, if they just collect the set of keys and then say, well, we think that these three suspects that were in, were in contact with this person. So let's go collect all the keys out of this one guy's phone and then go compare them with all the keys in this other guy's phone. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and establish that they were within 10 feet of each other, um, on mm-hmm. Tuesday between the hours of, you know, two and 4 PM. Um, that, that seems like an obvious law enforcement use, right? Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, you know, or a warrant yeah, where it's like, right. Oh, we want to compel a particular company to not stop the, you know, instead of a 14 window expiration, let's let that run for a year yeah, and see what right. happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that would be no fun. Uh, although nobody can really force you to install this app. That's the other part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have True. a sneaking suspicion that Apple and Google are awfully conversant with this problem. It seems to me like they are already doing this for advertising purposes, and now they're just applying yes. it to uh, COVID purposes. Uh, so the, mm-hmm. in that sense, like the horse is out of the barn, uh, privacy-wise, because mm-hmm. if you had Bluetooth turned on, you were you know you were subject to this stuff anyway. Um, so if you're going to mm-hmm. leave Bluetooth on turned on in your phone, um, and you haven't actively disabled all the Bluetooth beacon stuff, um, you're doing this for you know Kroger and and Walmart anyway. Um, might as well mm-hmm. do it to save some people's lives, right? Yep. Yeah. And do you think too, what do you think about the, like the normalization of the tracking in, in terms of, you know, it's, yeah. it's like the, the, you know, the frog in the water and it's like, oh, this is no big deal. And it's, it's just one, one more thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, there is definitely an aspect of this and there's a, there's an element of like giving up to this and like making it, making it feel, yeah. Like, as you say, like making it feel normal that it, uh, that this is happening. I would say that on the, on, I mean, on the other hand, if we are going to have technology like this and we already have it and it's in everybody's phone and we already have it, Mm -hmm. um, using it for good and not just selling me Oreos is, uh, at the margin, like actually not that bad. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, and the the um, the one last thought I have on this is the it's like this all seems on the surface like a good idea, but you know the unintended consequences or from a a security standpoint is it you know could it have been rushed and and maybe it's not that big a deal application wise mm-hmm. uh, you know in terms of risk and is the is it worth rushing something through where a fix could be pushed out if there's a flaw and uh, right I don't know. I mean, this stuff is hard. Um, I mean, it's kind of a, that's kind of a, that, that's my, that's my scintillating analysis is this is hard. <laughs> I think it's a hard problem yeah. to solve, right? Um, yep. Um, but I don't know. The alternative is not great, right? The alternative no. is putting hundreds or thousands of people at risk doing this tracing by hand. So. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and then compare that to other government efforts where they put like QR codes where you got to scan every door you go into, and yeah. they do track it. Yeah, right, that's right. That's so, right. and the other part too is the, you know, the 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 encryption debate of yeah. like, you know, if only sick people have access to the app, then I don't know, I don't know what that analogy would be, but it, it's like. You know, it, I, I, I just, 
you know, I think Marley Moxon Spike is, uh, or Moxie Marlin Spike, damn it. Um, <laughs> that, you know, he, he, he is right in terms of the, um, it's like, you know, you're using, you know, in his mind, I think he's using, he's saying that we're, that bad things are being used to have a good come out of it where they shouldn't be doing the bad things to begin with. Yes. Where he sees ad optimization as a bad thing. Yeah, 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 totally right. Um, I'm extremely sympathetic. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and speaking of ad optimization experiences, um, have you ever heard of GoodRx? No, I haven't. Oh, yeah. Um, So I've seen them at at my doctor's office and all that, and um, I know people that, that they rave about uh, this this outfit uh, called GoodRx, where they will like if like for a lot of drugs that people use, especially if, if people aren't insured, you know they have this I don't know what some sort of deal or discount program or something like that that it's like if you order it, you know so it's not insurance but it's more of a discount program where if you apply the GoodRx thing to your prescription, you can get like serious discounts and you know for a lot of people um, it's a, it's a great deal. They're saving tons of money. However, um, they have a mobile app, and that mobile app actually shares all kinds of personal and identifiable information. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and so, and, and what's and so what? Uh, this article it talks about is it? Um, they even said that the the idea of what is and isn't personally identifiable information from a legal point of view is effectively meaningless. Uh, their words, um, and so, like uh, they said that um, the data being sent from the GoodRx app, um, it's being sent to four separate companies, and so the one company is Branch, which uh, links users across different devices. So you know, like um, uh, in order to you know tie your persona to your phone, to your tablet, to your uh, Chrome mm-hmm. desktop instance and everything. It links all that together. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is, uh, uh, let's see, we've got Facebook. Um, of course. That they, re- yeah, they receive uh, usage information in terms of how op- often you open and close the application. There's Braze, which helps advertisers target people across the Internet and then there's Google Analytics that uh, received um, actually the name of the pharmacy as well as specific prescriptions. But do, but it doesn't doesn't HIPAA protect people for, for this uh, for this kind of information? That's what I thought, and the answer is no, uh, because uh, HIPAA only uh, applies to healthcare providers. The 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 sharing data between healthcare providers. And um, uh, and their patients. I see. Not not private companies. Right. So if uh, so, since GoodRx is not a healthcare provider, and a person gives their prescription information to um, GoodRx, they could do whatever they want with it. Right. Right. Uh, okay, so that's not great. I presume they're only able to operate in the United States because every other country has some kind of a privacy law that would prevent this from happening, right? I don't know. I mean, we got HIPAA, so like, and I would have <laughs> thought HIPAA would cover that, but I don't know. That would be, 
Um, I wonder if it, and then you also, you have other countries that have uh, different healthcare uh, uh, plans and, you know, uh, with uh, government medicine and, and things like that. So yep. it's, it's less of a uh, uh, free market right. um, so where it may not be needed or may not be available or may not be applicable. Yep. So, um, yeah. And one of the things, there's a quote from GoodRx. Uh, they explained in a statement that personal medical information, including the names of prescriptions, were never shared with Facebook, even in encrypted form. When this data was shared with Google, meanwhile, they stressed that this intel is de-identified, stressing that the company does not use medical information to target um, advertising on Google. Which sounds uh, sounds very reassuring, except for the fact that they are consuming medical information to target advertising on Google. <laughs> I mean, that's... Well, why are they sending it anyhow? Yeah, that's right. I mean, if, it, yeah. if they're not using it. Yeah, that's right. Why even why even why even be in the why even be a customer of this uh, this service right? Yeah, yeah. Why would Google want the data if they're not going to use it? And then it just opens them up to: is it worth the risk of yeah taking that data? Yeah, yep. That's right. And how do they know what Google does with it or doesn't do with it? Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so that's nice. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, let's 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 talk about uh, robot uh, robot cooks. I'm here for it. What do we got? All right. Yeah. So, um, so you know, we've we've talked about uh, robot chefs before. I, I'm sure we have. Mm-hmm. Um, we're bound to. But um, so this this article it talks about um, there's this company that uh, called Miso that I guess they sell a product called Flippies uh, to fast food restaurants. They actually uh, it's a subscription model. So two thousand bucks a month per Flippy um, robot. Um, and that breaks down to about $3 per hour and, um, you know, wage if you were to pay that robot mm-hmm. compared to a human, which would cost between four and $10,000 per hour, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, four to $10,000 per month. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, uh, and it depends on the local, um, minimum wage. Sure. However, it doesn't include, you know, you think about sick days and turnover and hiring and training and stuff like that, um, and so, okay, that's sort of compelling. And what you know, people in the article were talking about is it? Well, hey, this goes back to the 1920s when there's this new device called the dishwasher that was raising alarms, threatening to wipe out an entire economy of, of back uh, of the house jobs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then, so what you know, what they say, and and so. They talk about that, and then there's these two camps that talk about, and I'd love your take on this too, is there are two robot designs. One is for um, like an anthropomorphic robot to like do all the cooking mm-hmm. and sort of fit in the kitchen mm-hmm. where there's another type of robot, which is purpose built where you could almost imagine as being like a, like a vending machine that would spit out French fries as right. opposed to like a robot arm that would move French fryer, uh, you know, things on burners and stuff like that. Right. And, one of the like one of the uh, creators of the the more vending machine approach, he said it's it's the anthrop- he doesn't like the anthropomorphic idea of having um, uh, you know anthropomorphic robots. You're much better having the robot as a like a vending machine sort of thing. 
and he likens it to the idea of building a humanoid robot driver to with robotic arms to drive a self-driving car as opposed <laughs> to just making a self-driving car. Right, right. And they, they both are totally in disagreement with, with, with each other where the other camp says that, no, the robot should work alongside their human counterpart and yeah. everything. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then the other thing they said, you know, going back to the um, the dishwashers, they, you know, the other thing that they brought up is that, um, that, you know, they said the same thing about spreadsheet software, that it was going to put all the accountants out of jobs. And what actually happened was it, it changed the job of an accountant so that they didn't spend their time punching in numbers into adding machines, but instead started to do um, visualizations and scenario plannings. And so... Um, and also, they said that, uh, likewise, restaurants still need people to load and unload the dishwashers, I guess, until they build a anthropomorphic robot to do that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So what's um, your take on all this? Are, are, are you a pro-robot uh, cook? And also, should the robot be anthropomorphic? Yeah, I mean, well, I'm, there's... I'm not, I'm, I'm not an expert on any of this, but that has never stopped me before. Uh, yeah, well, that's not the, that's not the point of the show. Talk <laughs> long, talk, uh, I think yeah, um, it makes sense to have these. I think about the anthropomorphic robots as like retrofits, you know. So like, mm -hmm. I have a restaurant that functions in a particular way. There's a fry station, and I need somebody to operate the fry station. So I'm going to go hire this robot with two arms and a, you know, and somebody probably drew a face on it, and that robot is going to is going to handle the fry station. Googly eyes, yeah, googly eyes, right. exactly. Um, so that, that makes a lot of sense to me. If I was designing uh, the kitchen of a fast food restaurant from scratch, I'd probably be more interested in the kind of vending machine model um, where I can actually, uh, because, I'm, because I can work from a clean slate, I'm going to use my space differently, right? And I'm sure there's all kinds of efficiencies mm -hmm. in that um, if I need them. I could probably have a smaller kitchen, for example, right? Because uh, I don't need a... Uh, you know, I don't need to accommodate a bunch of human bodies roaming around. Um, I think each one probably has a use, um, just depending on the situation. Um, you know, these like, you know, airport restaurants, um, I don't know where those, you know, they're, they're pretty good at concealing what those kitchens look like, but I suspect that they would probably benefit from some space saving. Um, uh, whereas, you know, a, a McDonald's, you know, on the, uh, on the access road, um, is probably more likely to buy the, the anthropomorphic one, you know, kind of introducing a robot to a human environment as opposed to building a robot environment from the, from the ground up. Um, so I do like this last bit that you brought in, which is on the, on the topic of, you know, the spreadsheet software didn't put accounts and, and, and bookkeepers out of a job. Right. And so dishwashers, mm -hmm. you know, there's still, somebody needs to load the dishwasher. Somebody still needs to do the pots and pans and things like that. And the, you know, the work never really goes away. It just kind of moves around or hopefully moves around to more high value work. Um, mm -hmm. and that's true. I think about, you know, the advent of the, the vacuum cleaner and the, the laundry machines, you know, dry washers, dryers. Um, I think, you know, I'm not an economist, but I would guess that like the advent of these innovations, um, had the effect of making them more available to people. Um, and so it, uh, you know, even though I own a vacuum, I will still hire somebody once this whole thing is over, uh, I will still <laughs> hire somebody to come in and clean my house. Um, because they will, uh, do a good job. They can be in and out in a couple hours, um, as opposed to it being like an all day affair. Um, and so, you know, the efficiencies don't just, uh, it's not just a one for one swap, right? Um, there's a whole ecosystem mm -hmm. around vacuum cleaners, you know, there's people who have to repair them and there's, you know, people. Who, so, um, I think if you, if you draw the circle big enough, I, I, I'm sympathetic to the argument that, um, you know, automating this stuff won't 
put people out of work generally. It will, however, put that specific person out of work, um, which, uh, Mm -hmm. which, uh, which I'm, I'm, which I understand. Um, and that part, that, that part is, you know, that part is problematic and that's the, you know, you and I have talked about, uh, deep work, um, that book Mm -hmm. on the show before and the automation is coming, not just for the fry cooks, uh, but for, uh, but really for everybody who is not engaged in a creative process. Um, and, uh, it is something that we have to reckon with as a society, you know, I'm, Andrew Yang is not wrong, right? Um, mm-hmm. This is uh, this is all coming for us, and it's coming quicker than we think. It's going to happen very slowly, and then all at once. Um, and uh, anyway, so I I, uh, I think also it'd be interesting to see if let's assume that there is a kind of commoditized, widely available uh, f- robot fry cook. Um, Mm -hmm. it will be interesting to see how the industry responds. You know, I can imagine fast food joints advertising, you know, a full human crew, um, because that implies Mm. that, you know, they're being handcrafted, right? It's art, it's artisanal, um, fries and burgers as opposed to the mass produced ones. I mean, you see that all already. Hand cut. Yeah. Hand Hand cut. cut. Exactly. Exactly. How would the, um, which is exactly how people responded to the advent of like McDonald's and and Burger King and Wendy's. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, uh, yeah, I don't know. People are, people are pretty clever. Um, they'll figure out a way to make a buck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, this, uh, there was a book that I read over the the holiday break called the meritocracy trap that, Mm -hmm. that talked a lot about the, um, the, the greater gulf between the upper class and the lower class and the middle class getting sort of like destroyed. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating book. Um, but the the interesting part about that that you go back to mentioning is that th- there are I would even argue that the creative jobs are getting automated away too a, a lot of them right where it could be whether it's AI uh, robots writing code or you know things like that and I the way I look at it is that if you 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 know it, it doesn't matter who you are you have to have this culture of learning and adaptability hmm. and you can't rely on being an elevator operator all your career. Right. If that's your goal. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you got to pick a career that if, if you can, that's kind of resilient or figure out how to have some sort of flexibility that, you know, if you only define yourself as something that's shrinking, it's, you're going to be in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I like that very much. Like this idea of defining your, defining your work as kind of, uh, adaptability, continuous learning, resilience, that those being the skills that we should be cultivating as opposed to, you know, just devoting myself to the creation of buggy whips for the rest of my life. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Easy, easier said than done. But I, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 And it's, I think it's on, you know, it's, it's great for companies to say that, Oh, we help, you know, people with their careers and everything, but it's, it, to me, it's really, it's on the person. Um, to it's up to them uh, whether they like it or not to be adaptable. Um, yeah. And and it's hard to say because there are a lot of people that are working multiple jobs and it's it's really difficult uh, to you know be adaptable when you're just exhausted uh, from working yeah. uh, so much and taking care of kids and things like that. So it's it's hard. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I guess to close out, would mm-hmm. would you be willing to? Uh, review a couple uh, word choices with me to see if, if you would be uh, 
uh, would agree with them as, as useful or not useful. Oh, interesting. Against my better judgment, I'm suddenly very interested in this. Yes. How, how did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Right there. I got you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there, there was uh, this article that it, it they basically it, it came up. It was the guardian. They, they interviewed some word nerd lady mm-hmm. and um, uh, a professor of social interaction at Loudon low borough university and and so this is probably a, a very British sort of uh, slant, I guess, because uh, it's a British publication. But let's see if, if you agree with these. But um, one of the words that she says that you should use is willing. For instance, if you have a choice to say, would you like to um, or would you be interested in it? You're much better off. They said um, if you if you would say, would you be willing to blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they got a lot more results out of that. So it's like, I know it's not your first choice, but would you be willing to meet on Friday? Right. And they went with that. So what would you say to that? Would you fall for it? Again? Uh, I, I would, I just, in my own experience, you know, if, uh, when you're asking something for someone that, you know, they don't want to say yes to, uh, acknowledging that, in, uh, explicitly or implicitly is going to get you better results, right. Rather than just mm-hmm. kind of steamrolling over them. Right. Yeah, it's like, would you be willing to try this, you know, instead of, yeah. I'm acknowledging your agency. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then a word you shouldn't use Mm -hmm. is just because, uh, yeah. yeah. So, and I've been actually stopping myself from using this. And the reason why she says to not use just is that it's a permission word Mm -hmm. uh, to warm up to a request. Yes. Uh, So for instance, um, uh, you know, could I just blah, 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 or I just wanted to blah, blah, blah. And, um, they, uh, she said to get rid of them as much as possible. Yes. I, yeah, I, I have a very hard time with this. Um, but I, I think, yeah, paying attention to what just means it's, she's correct that it's like, it's a permission word. It's also a, Mm -hmm. um, just implies that everything that comes after the word just is so plainly obvious and fair that it would be ridiculous for you to say no to. Right. Um, and so you're kind of boxing the person in like, well, listen, I'm just asking you to pay me $500 for no reason, you know, or I'm just mm-hmm. asking you to lift this 200 pound weight. Um, uh, it, uh, it, how about, would you would be willing to just lift this? Five <laughs> right. Yeah. There, that's, that's a, yeah, there, there are bounces itself out. <laughs> Wormhole. Yeah. 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 That's right. Okay. Uh, how about this one? Mm. Uh, she says, use the word speak instead of talk. So, uh, because, uh, there are negative connotations with the word talk that, you know, it's like, you're all talk. Talk is cheap. You talk the talk, but you mm-hmm. don't walk the walk. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if the speak is more about the value of what people are saying. And so it's like, and so instead of saying, can we talk? Uh, she says, can I speak to you about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, this is, I wonder if this is a, a, this may have a stronger British valence than, than American. I don't, I don't, I don't, at least for me, I don't detect a real qualitative difference between talk and speak. Um, speak sounds a little more formal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which could be British. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. there's definitely a difference between, um, uh, talk about talk with and talk to. Right. Um, yeah, I think I, I do find that people use those interchangeably and they shouldn't. Yeah. Like to me, it's like, I don't want to talk to someone. I want to talk with someone mm-hmm. or speak with 
yeah. someone as opposed to like two means that I'm speaking like at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, one thing she says you shouldn't use is ask, how are you? Oh, interesting. Why not? Yeah. Uh, that it's just like, um, there's no evidence of reciprocal rapport building, uh, but you're also more likely to irritate the other person and extend the length of that call. So the next time you have to speak to someone or with someone you don't know, um, don't be overly friendly, stick to being polite. And I guess just cut to the chase. Right. What I've seen some people do too, and I, I actually appreciate this, um, instead of saying, how are you? They say, I hope you're doing well. Yeah. Or how are you feeling? Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Or or just like, how are you? I'm good. And it's just like, like that 10 seconds is just like, like, it's almost like a, like a hand, like a computer handshake yeah, of what right. bod you want yeah. to talk at yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. thing, you yeah. know? Ack, sin, sin, ack. Okay, now let's talk about that. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. yeah. Right, exactly. Um, and then uh, here's another one. Uh, she says, do you some instead of any? So is there, so instead of saying, is there anything else? Um, she said that it's better to say, is there something else I can do for you? Hmm. Oh, right. That makes it more specific for no reason. But yeah, it definitely, that feels different, right? Yeah. Yeah. She says any has uh, negative responses. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, try not to use any. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, let's see. Yeah. Try not to use any if you generally want feedback or to open up debate. What do you think about X might be more spe- a more specific way to encourage someone to talk? Right. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's another one. Uh, don't use yes, but. So true. Yeah. This yeah. is this is a big one for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this goes back to the improv, right? Mm-hmm. It should be yes, yes and. and. That's right. Yeah. Which is still could be a but. <laughs> That's right. But it's but it, it goes down smoother if if it, if it's if it's <laughs> if you start with and yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, what, oh, here's a, here's a good one that I like. Um, she says, do use, it seems like mm-hmm. where you're basically, uh, it shows that you're actively listening and you're repeating back to the person, what the other person said, or like you're showing that you understood what that person's saying. Yes. And also giving them an opportunity to correct that impression. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And it, um, I, there was, um, there were some good books that I read, like written by, uh, oh, what was it? It was a uh, nonviolent communication. Um, it was it was uh, a great book. It was actually recommended by Satya Nadella, mm-hmm. and uh, I got the audiobook version of it, and it was read by the author. And the author is like this, like retired cop that would do like like these like hostage negotiations and talking with the kids on the street and everything. So it sounds like, like Joe Friday narrating the book. It's like so <laughs> awesome. Um, you know, I met this kid and he was, uh, you know, it was, it was great. Um, yeah. So, okay. Last one. Um, do use hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is interesting because is that like a contradiction to the, how are you? Well, you no. know, is that like a filler word? Maybe? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of filler. It's a little bit of social grease, right? Um, yeah. Kind of sets that the way you say hello will, will kind of set the tone for the conversation, right? 
like hello yeah. versus hello like yeah. the, you know there are there are different ways of delivering it that will uh that will set the conversation's trajectory right yeah 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 and set the tone mm-hmm. okay all right sounds good so if if you were to ask people if they would be willing to uh go to a website to uh, learn all about uh, Amazon dating or uh, see that wonderful uh, uh, potential sponsor that we may have with the uh, Allegheny Shredder Company, um, where should we send them? Mm. Uh, Dave, it seems like you want me to do the plug for the for the website, and uh, and I would be willing to do that. Yes. Uh, and, yes, and. <laughs> yes, uh, what and, is it? <laughs> yes, and. Here it is. I'm going to go to the... Uh, uh, dgshow.org and that's a D is in Dave, G is in Gunner, show.org Nice, we got a streak going here. It's great. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, Dave. Uh, stay safe. Yes, yes. And uh, yes, again, uh, thanks to Adam uh, for doing colors.lol. Uh, makes us happy. Uh, do send us more. Indeed. All right. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, everyone. Yep. See you, everybody.